You wanted the best. You got the best. In strong language and adult content, the hottest podcast in the world. Slowly, we rock. Welcome to Slow We Rock, Metal's funnest and dumbest podcast. <laughs> I, I, we did not, are here, I did not realise you were going straight in. We are here to talk about <laughs> the life and times of Eddie Van Halen. Guys, how are we all doing? Uh, we'll go around the room. Uh, to start, I am your host, uh, James Van Johnson. Uh, I am joined first by <laughs> Dan Van Nelms. Say hi. Yeah, Hi, it's uh, Dan Halen here. How you doing? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, also... Uh, Lewis Blake Roth, how you doing? <laughs> All right. You didn't tell us he was on. doing any of this. Uh, no, no. I, actually, I I wish that we had to consent to these things. <laughs> well, emphasis on the dumbest, I guess. I'm just just. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I'm just just going with it. You know, I'm just running with the devil. You know, oh, just God. had like an eruption of creativity. And had to go for it, you know. And that was it. And that was, that was the eruption of creativity. Yeah, yeah. Was, was Dan Van Halen. <laughs> <laughs> Not even Dan Halen, which would have been the easier, easier, uh, you know, open goal. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, my God. All right. Danny Hagar. Jesus. Danamar. There you go. <laughs> Well, that was our Eddie Van Halen tribute episode. (laughs) Thanks for listening, guys. Rest in power, Eddie Van Halen. This is exactly what the man, yeah, you know, we're really giving him what he deserved in this tribute episode so far. And yeah, I guess for uh, for those living under a rock, because this kind of made the news. uh, It it was this was like a big news thing, uh, Mm -hmm. considering like you know um, the generation which like Van Halen is like most relevant, but yeah, Eddie Van Halen, uh, guitar God and icon, uh, passed away at the age 65 after a long battle with cancer. Mm. Um, we've talked about Van Halen plenty on the podcast, mainly the insanity of their frontman David Lee Roth. Um, but I don't know if we've ever really got into the, uh, into the weeds, into the thick of it with, uh, their albums at all. No, I don't. Th- I don't think we have. Yeah. So now felt like a really good, uh, if not now, when uh, opportunity to uh, nice. Yeah, just to, nice. Uh, yeah, uh, just to discuss uh, Van Halen's music, uh, what it means to us, their influence. You know, just to kind of uh, just chatting, chatting the Van Hales. You know, um, Lewis. Uh, when the news broke, I got a text message from a friend saying. Has anyone checked on Lewis? He's probably going to need someone right oh, now. That's pretty <laughs> sweet. So how about you start by taking us away and just sort of like, for our listeners who may not be familiar with Van Halen, yeah, uh, introduce us. So I think if to kind of understand like the importance of Eddie Van Halen, you kind of need to go back earlier than that, right? So the only maybe two other people that I think kind of fall into that same category would be Les Paul, first of all, creator mm-hmm. of the electric guitar as we know it. Um, and then 
Jimi Hendrix. Mm. Yeah. So you think you think about the sound of the sixties pre Hendrix, and you think of it after, like all of a sudden, you know, screaming blues is mm. everywhere, and it's it's the sound like all of the the kind of white British artists are trying to get that that black American sound, uh, and that's where you know the Beatles come from. That's where all of these incredible bands that just changed the world come from. Uh, and that was all down to Jimi Hendrix. And then that kind of leads us into our kind of, well, what's, what's now classic rock, right? So you've got your, your Zeppelins, you've got your ACDCs, all that. And that's where guitaring was until 1978. Mm. It's like 10 years, 10 years after Electric Ladyland comes out, Van Halen 1 comes and changes everything yeah. again. Mm. That's it. And if, if you just, if you listen to uh, the play, like Angus Young is one of my favourite guitarists. That was the the guy that got me into guitar. And it's still, it's these bluesy licks. There's yeah. a bit of a bit of aggression. There's, you know, a little bit of speed. It, it sounds nothing like Eddie Van Halen. And that turning point, as soon as Van Halen 1 came out, just guitar has never been the same at all and it never will be the same and i think most of the music that we're really passionate about on this podcast is guitar driven it would not exist without what eddie van halen brought even so okay cool i, I could talk about this for hours and i could get super super in depth on it but his, sure. his playing and his technique and his like his sound are all huge huge components of that but also his ingenuity with actual uh, with the instrument itself and what he brought so uh humbucker pickups in strat type bodies became your super strat which like steve Vai would play which paul gilbert would play which all the shredders would play mm. uh the floyd rose tremolo system was eddie van halen dive bombs all of these screaming sounds that we're so used to today uh the 5150 pv amplifier which became the sound of early noughties metalcore. Every single artist kill switch was using them. Everyone was using a 5150, and that was Eddie Van Halen's amp design. Like, it's not just within that kind of classic rock, almost hair metal arena, right? Even the technology that he's brought to guitar has just created sound after sound after genre after genre and it all just goes straight back to Eddie Van Halen which is amazing and I cannot think of a single other person that you could say the same about yeah it's because I think when you think about like early classic rock proto metal early heavy metal it's an extension of that really heavy blues sound Mm -hmm. it's you know like Led Zeppelin's first album is basically blues standards um yeah. Sabbath were playing just the the heaviest possible version of blues. Blues fed through like a hammer horror movie. That's what Matt um, used to describe themselves as the world's heaviest rhythm and blues band, didn't he? Um, yeah. Lemmy used to call <laughs> themselves that. So <laughs> completely. If you look and uh, again, like um, ACDC, just an incredibly heavy blues band. Aerosmith as well. You know, mm. if you look at the trajectory of a lot of these bands, it, it's all playing on that sound, and then. Yeah, if you then stick on Van Halen 78, like the first album, like I, you literally can't think of a single... Like there's plenty of stuff after it which sounds like Van Halen, but you can't yeah. really pinpoint anything before 
that sounds like Van Halen. No. It's like genius. Just like it's like in a it's like something genius in a bottle. If, you know, inspiration comes out of nowhere. Um, I think one of the things as well about Van Halen is the fact that although he's like this absolute guitar virtuoso and god, every song is incredibly direct and catchy, and yeah, fun. Um, because if you think about like the late seventies as well, I feel like maybe potentially like a lot of hard rock and metal could have gone in the direction where it was merging the blues sound with like proggy type stuff. Mm-hmm. And it could have had the risk of almost getting its head a bit up its arse. And then Van Halen kind of comes along and maybe goes, nah, this album's half an hour long and every song is incredibly fun. And we're going to have like a doo-wop breakdown section <laughs> and we're going to have like Beach Boy style med- uh, melodies and harmonies and stuff like that. And everything is just incredibly, like, accessible as well. It's like this incredibly yep. poppy music, which was, like, incredibly hard to play as well. Yeah, I th- well, I mean, it's 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 heavy metal Motown, mm. right? Like, all like their tracks, they've got such that kind of, that soul and Motown uh, element injected into it, which, which David Lee Roth carries out. Like, if, even if you put him as a frontman, he's somewhere between Robert Plant and James Brown. Definitely. Right? That is him. You've you've got this old kind of soul element there that uh, you know, a lot of the the bands weren't doing at that point. I guess Aerosmith were probably really breaking through at this I feel point. Like, they I they feel would like, have been yeah, massive. Oh, the Aerosmith would yeah, break through definitely. by this point. Yeah, by mid seventies, like I think uh, towards the Attic yeah. the Rocks had come out. But I think if you look at like Aerosmith, you, I think they they're just like the. It's like they're like an American sort of like version of like. The Rolling Stones, right? If Rolling Stones yeah, had come okay, out yeah. post Hendrix, they yeah, would it's probably sound rock, like, isn't it? Yeah, it's they would have yeah. sounded like Aerosmith. Uh, and everything that um, the old screaming demon, uh, Stephen Tyler, the world's ugliest handsome man, <laughs> all the most handsome ugly man, who knows? Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, he, you know, he he's basically doing like a, it's like a. Uh, Mick Jagger type thing, right? It's kind of be- it oh, kind yeah, of became yeah. its own thing, but like the influences weren't really sort of hard to find. Like David Lee Roth is like he's like that, but like he'd maybe also gone through like the MK Ultra program or like one of those <laughs> weird like US government LSD experiments. <laughs> kind of on the other side, like with a higher sort of um, as a higher being or something. <laughs> I can imagine actually a lot of uh, like goons in suits hunting him with like tranquilizer gun (laughs) (laughs) um dan for you um you know uh when did you first kind of become aware of like van halen do you remember first time you you heard them at all um not really i feel like it's just always been part of my life (laughs) i feel like it was always on the radio or on like probably actually probably first time i would have discovered them would have been on like a compilation cd of some kind yeah and it probably it probably would have been a song from 1984 i imagine i imagine it's see my favorite van halen song is panama um so i imagine it was that jump or um hop for teacher it's probably the first song i ever heard um yeah i don't actually like jump that much in the in the grand scheme of things compared to all the other songs but yeah i just whenever i think of van halen i just think of panama um and it just makes me feel really summery even if it's like winter and it comes on um, it's just got that real sort of sunshine 
sound to it. What, what was the um, what was what was the description that you oh, heard? That tweet oh, was amazing, wasn't it? I can't it remember. Was, we should have um, looked up who it, said it. It, it. it was a uh, it was from the AV Club actually. Quoma uh, uh. Source. Uh, they did like, they shared their memories of Van Halen, and one of the writers said that every Van Halen song has a dog wearing sunglasses energy to it. Yeah, <laughs> it's perfect. <laughs> it's exactly hit the nail on the head. I think I, I I think Jump would have been the first Van Halen song I heard as well. Um, it, I mean, it's their most it, famous song, isn't it? It's, it, it's like yeah. it's just a very very good eighties pop song. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. it's got like the super like cheesy kind of. Because I guess it feels like he kind of changed the game a bit again with bringing keyboards. Uh, Eddie oh did yeah, as well, one hundred percent, man. You know what song it is like within half a second, if that. Like as soon yeah. as it starts, it's, there's no mistaking what, what's coming on. It's just yeah. that initial. Dan, like you already know what it's going to be. Kind of like think the final e- countdown. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I think... Um, <laughs> Black it's, Parade. It's one of those um, one of those ones as well that actually maybe the first time you heard Van Halen wasn't on a Van Halen record. You know, mm. it was probably from Thriller on Beat It. Yeah, no, yeah. yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. Oh, such a good bit as well on that song. I th- yeah, I think yeah, as a kid, yeah, probably... You, you kind of like go back and you think, oh, what are all the things that laid the groundwork for me liking this type of music? And I know for a fact that as a kid, like I thought like Beat It was like the coolest song. I loved the riff and I yeah. loved like the guitar solo in it. It's um, just, it's a banger. I think it was mind blowing to then find out it was Eddie Van Halen. Then you realize, oh, it all makes sense. But like in my head, part of me feels like I just, I was just almost like born knowing the, um, that Eddie Van Halen was guitar and that the red <laughs> yeah. and white striped, you know, like imagery, you just kind of know it. It's like imprinted yeah. on your brain. I, I think, think a big part of it as well is growing up watching Bill and Ted. Yep, I was about to say that mm-hmm. to tie back into last week's, or depending on what order they come out in. Uh, yeah, yeah that's, that's a good one, actually. Bill and Ted. Yeah. I just want to say that, that we'll be talking about um, the new Bill and Ted film and just chatting about how much we love Bill and Ted. I feel like this one's probably going to come out before, just given... Makes sense. Yeah, I yeah. think so. Thing. Yeah, makes, so makes there a lot you go, sense. listeners. Listeners, there's something to look forward to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that, yeah, because it's, it's a huge part of that film. Um, I, I can actually remember... I can remember super, super clearly, as if it was yesterday, the first time I heard Eddie Van Halen, and it still gives me goosebumps. Uh, so when I was... When I was like 14 and I started learning to play guitar, I was absolutely obsessed with ACDC. Um, and I guess I came into it, came into this whole rock and guitar world completely blind, right? Uh, mm. My parents weren't into it. None of my friends were into it. It was just something that I stumbled on uh, and kind of discovered. So every single thing was new to me and it was really, really exciting to keep making these discoveries and to keep kind of finding all these different bands. And like we, we spoke about before, like, you know, you'd go on message boards and you'd find like-minded people and you'd, you'd have these things yep. recommended. Internet like, and this was back when... Not all for grooming. <laughs> and and uh, this was back when YouTube was new. Do you remember when YouTube was a fucking new website? Yeah, yeah. it would never load properly. That's- <laughs> that's wild or but, you'd, um, uh, you'd have to pour, you'd play a video press pause and you'd come back and it would fully load and you could watch it like <laughs> or watch your like two minute video ten minutes later and the stress Which, of watching a video you find hilarious and then showing it to a friend and then having to be like it gets good just keep watching it it does get good just no, keep watching it yeah 
but um, I can remember just like, you know, Angus Young guitar solo. I was absolutely obsessed with Angus Young. That was who I wanted to be. I had like a, a knockoff Gibson SG. Uh, <laughs> I think I did my first, like, I, and I only ever played guitar because I just wanted to be in a band because mm. of ACDC. I was like, I just want to be Angus Young. I don't Is give a shit about... Is that also why you still wear a schoolboy uniform to work? <laughs> as a grown man. I think the cap suits him. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were meant to be the crankies. <laughs> No, I'm I'm undercover. I'm on a 21 Jump Street with the the school across the road. Undercover cranky. <laughs> um, yeah, and like, dude, I did my first ever like live performance in a in a school uniform. Like that's that was how hard I just wanted to be Angus Young. So I was 14. <laughs> I thought, well, that's what cool guitarists do. And then on YouTube, YouTube one, back in. Zero, <laughs> zero BC internet days. Um, this video popped up and it said Eddie Van Halen eruption solo. I was like, okay, the fuck is this? And I clicked it and like, I have never heard sounds like that, let alone a guitar being played like that. Mm. I couldn't, could not understand how these sounds were coming from a man's fingers like guitars sound like Angus Young or Oasis. Like that's what guitars can do. Mm. Guitars can't do this. How the fuck is this guy making these sounds? <laughs> it sounds like a spaceship taking off. Um, and I must have like just looped that video over and over and over again. Um, like it's it's so ingrained in my memory, so ingrained in my memory. And even now, what like going back, I'm just like, oh Jesus, man, that is just the best that is the best fucking guitar playing um and yeah and from that point it was like oh i should probably check out this well, what band is eddie van halen in oh that's handy okay <laughs> yeah um and then yeah started started discovering them and to this day there will never ever be anyone that plays guitar like eddie van halen no. i remember at one point uh very well said by the way Lewis. yeah thank you um it's it's awesome to, like you can tell just from like the way you're sort of speaking like what a profound influence he's had on you as a player and i think like the outpouring from like all the musicians mm -hmm. like crosswords like it's yeah it's like everyone grew up wanting to be like eddie van halen yeah, one of the, big ones. The, the guy just looked like he was having fun all the time yeah, yeah. he was just he was playing with just like you the can hear biggest it, though, can't smile you, I think. yeah mm. and what i love about it as well um is that like you said, Jim, he was, it's never like flashy for the sake of being flashy. It's never just, hey, listen to how good this guitar is. It's purely, here's a fucking song. This will sound like nothing you've heard. And I think that he's so in tune with himself as a guitarist and he's got such... I think the thing for me that stands out the most about Eddie is that he's got such a, a weird sense of timing. Like when he's doing little solo licks, like he just really plays around the beat and it's such a unique kind of feel uh but it's so woven into the rhythm that he plays so obviously you've got a one guitar band and he's trying to fill out as much space as possible and he said the only reason that he kind of found his sound and that he had all these effects going on and that he found the way that he played was to just try and fill out the band as if <laughs> there was another guitarist mm -hmm. so it's really often cool. kind of yeah, it's, it, you can hear it, right? So yeah, it, definitely. It's often like call and response with himself, but it's all <laughs> within the riff. It's not like an additional part or... 
you know? Um, no. Yeah, that's a really good point. <laughs> and I, th- I think just to hear someone have such ownership of riffs, like a riff can sound like someone specific to that extent, is it's just mind-blowing. I, I don't understand it. Like, I would fucking kill to be able to have just stamp, you know, my own sound onto a riff. Yeah. So fuck, it's a riff. How do you make a, like a riff sound like a human? Like what the fuck? It's amazing. It's, it's been so funny, like going back and like listening to, especially like the, the first album, and you just think like he just manages to fit licks and solos in everywhere. It's like all over every like bit of free space is like it's like it, it is. There is kind of like a weird. It is almost like it's it's like a showing off, but it doesn't like detract from the song. Yeah. It's not like, say... No, it makes um, it, doesn't it? It adds to it. Yeah, it's not like all of a sudden, like, this song is going along, it's rocking along, and then there's, like, a five-minute guitar solo, like, vanity spot in it. It's just putting in, like... It, it's like he knows that you just want to, like, air guitar to this, so he'll just put in, like, lots of funny, fun licks <laughs> yeah. and stuff like that. Because it, it's almost like he's picturing, like, the kid in their bedroom, like, jumping up and down on their bed, air guitaring as they're playing, and he's, like, recording and writing this for them. Like, it's like they know their audience. It's so funny because, like, some of the videos as well are, like, very tongue-in-cheek. Like, I was watching the video for Hot for Teacher. Oh, so good. And, like, the idea of, like, a like one of the biggest, like, hard rock, heavy metal bands in the world all dressing in, like, red tuxedos and doing, like, a synchronized, <laughs> like, Las Vegas kind of, like, song and dance man routine in the middle of the video is just absolutely bizarre. It's great, isn't it? <laughs> but... I think that's what the band's all about. It was all about that like sense of fun. Um, yeah, it's. I always found it slightly weird that he then did start focusing like on keyboards towards like the mid to late eighties. And I guess in a way that was like a bit of a game changer as well because keyboards and synthesizers did come in big time into a lot of rock and metal in the mid to late eighties. And I guess I mean. I don't know what you pinpoint as like the beginning of that. Maybe Van Halen was like a huge part of that as well. Oh, dude, that was one of the big. I mean, that was one of the biggest things, like keyboards or synthesizers, even because mm. obviously you've, you've like we've had organs in rock since yeah. like the fucking Doors and shit like that. Mm. Um, purple and stuff, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think like synthesizers to that degree, like if like Jump is the perfect example. Like, there's only. The guitar doesn't come into that until like there's tiny, tiny little licks in the pre-chorus, mm. and then you have this fucking ripping solo, yeah. uh, and then the outro. <laughs> but there's like that's a rock song, and it's 100% a rock song, but mm. there's like no guitar in it. Yeah, and I think that's the first time that it it really, really came together because it synthesizers were a dirty word, right? In the kind of rock world, like you you think about like Iron Maiden, uh, how they kind of viewed synthesizers up until they used them on like, with disdain yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah um like it, it massively brought it together and then i think that's that's basically the entire of the 80s for the the rock and metal world uh until you got into the more extreme subgenres, was basically just chasing van halen's sound but they were always like a couple of years after yeah because because think jump came out or uh, 1984 came out in 1984 and then you had uh, 1987 by Whitesnake, for example. That's just Whitesnake trying to <laughs> to do the same kind of thing. I mean, it's a fucking great album, but everyone's just chasing Van Halen. 
Yeah, completely. It's funny because I, I, um, I was also listening to Motley Crue's Shout at the Devil record, yeah. which is fucking incredible. And that almost like it, it kind of follows like a little bit of the, uh, the Van Halen form, even like dropping in like a cover on there as well of like a 60s like yeah. classic. And it's got a Beatles <laughs> cover instead of a Kinks cover. Uh, and it's got like the guitar instrumental bit as well. It's got, you know, God bless the children of the beast, which is like the most spinal tap thing ever. Like you listen to the album, you go, this album literally could not have existed as it was without Van Halen. Not at all. And Motley Crue are a weird one because I think they sometimes like to think that they are like genius in a bottle and like, in, you know, inspiration comes out of nowhere and nothing had ever like happened like Motley Crue until Motley Crue came along. It's like, come on like that, <laughs> this band does not exist without van halen um it's like they set the prototype for everything that an 80s rock band should be in 1978 yeah 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 exactly i mean and van halen they were the they were the first really kind of that was the sunset strip sound right mm. motley crew came out of that absolutely yeah. and like i i think yes they are probably the first hair metal band um but it wouldn't have happened without Van Halen. Completely. No, not at all. Yeah. It's, um, it's kind of funny because a lot of um, people always talk about this Van Halen tour with Black Sabbath in the late 70s mm-hmm. after the first album came out. And this was towards the end of Ozzy's time with Sabbath when they were just like fighting, not getting along. The last couple of albums, I think it's Sabotage and Technical Ecstasy, mm-hmm. weren't particularly well received as well. Uh, and Van Halen come along and they're supporting them. And... Uh, I think they supported them on the UK tour because uh, I was reading a quote from like Joe Elliott from Def Leppard saying that, yeah, they went to see Sabbath and they were, they actually came away completely blown away by Van I've got, Halen. I've got a really good Brian May quote here actually regarding oh, this exact yeah. thing. Lay it on uh, me. Which obviously this is Brian May saying this about you. If you're, if Brian May saying this about your guitar playing, then you're doing something right. But he said, uh, kind of similar to what Lewis is saying, actually, uh, there hadn't been anything so shocking since Jimi Hendrix, Brian said, uh, I saw Van Halen support Black Sabbath. Tony Iommi was a good friend and the pair of us watched Eddie Van Halen do his stuff and it was just glorious, almost too glorious to take in. To see this guy romping around a guitar like a kitten, just running and taking it to places undreamed. I loved his playing and I always will. Uh, Very well kind of, Yeah, it sums it up really, Beautiful. doesn't it? It's, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and Joe Elliott of uh, Def Leppard said, uh, yeah, I saw Van Halen destroy Sabbath at the Sheffield City Hall in 77. Eddie was a big part of that, having essentially reinvented guitar playing, just like Hendrix had done a generation earlier. Um, but like, it's so interesting that you've literally got that out with the old and with the new. Mm. Because if you think about it, by like 1980, when Ozzy is like going solo, like, and you get like Randy Rhodes in, like, Randy Rhodes is like, yeah, you know, he's like again one of those big game changers for guitar playing, but he's not doing what he's doing without Van Halen two years prior. No. No, like <laughs> ev- everything, dude. Everything. Like you think, you think of you know, Ozzy is is like the father of heavy metal, right? Mm. He is just the the definition of everything that we fucking <sighs> love about this wild genre, and he wouldn't sound like he did without Eddie Van Halen yeah. on his own. You know, it's like you you cannot you cannot understate how far this man's touch went on everything like his dna yeah. is throughout fucking every piece of rock and metal music you, you since 1978 you wouldn't have like again you know, counts bands but again like 
12 years removed you know uh that sounds almost you know so different so similar but like pantera the most influential metal band of the 90s mm. easily like the reason why they're doing what they're doing is because they want it to be like van halen you know you've got the uh the brother and the uh brother's combo good drummer and guitarist like it's it's no coincidence yeah um yeah ab- like absolute um yeah real tragic loss because i i don't know but i never got to see them live um no not me and uh it felt like they were alternating these tours between and the lineups were changing quite a bit like you know they did like a, they'd have a sammy hagar reunion been a david lee roth reunion and then there'd be you know michael anthony would be in or he'd be out and yeah. uh, eddie's son wolfgang uh we playing bass instead uh wolfgang van halen by the way what a fantastic name um oh it's ridiculous <laughs> <laughs> it's not fair is it on the rest of us um but it always seemed like uh yeah i was uh it would have been absolutely fantastic to see them you know it's it's a shame but um it's not gonna happen but uh yeah what an absolute legacy to leave behind um if we can uh if we had to say a favorite van halen album or what we'd recommend to uh, our listeners because we're kind of skirting over maybe like the second half of their career with um with Sammy Hagar. Sammy Hagar, which is a bit of a weird one because it's not very often. It's funny when you talk about those times where like bands can replace um, iconic singers and kind of still go from you know success to success. And Van Halen, like one of the few examples of that. And it's interesting yeah. hearing that stuff because Sammy Hagar has maybe got like the ultimate '80s classic rock singing voice. <laughs> yeah, he really does. His his voice is disgustingly good. <laughs> Like I yeah, dude. Honestly, I mean, um, so I think the I didn't go straight to a Van Halen album. Um, mm. I got the the greatest hits. It was the the best of both worlds. Fantastic. Yes, I that, had that. I think that might be the yeah, first album I had actually. Of, of yeah. Yeah. Was, was that one? That's yeah. all my friends had. Yeah, we 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 started that. Then I think a lot of us went back and got like Van Halen one in 1984 afterwards. Yes. Yeah. That best of both worlds was like, yeah, I mean, like I'll be honest and say that like the first disc of the early stuff with David Lee Roth got more of a play mm-hmm. than the Sammy Hagar era, even though I've got a soft spot for like, why can't this be love? And like the bouncing synth in that. I find nearly all two disc greatest hits. Disc one is where your money's at. I think <laughs> yeah. I feel like that's where, you know, gets the most plays. I mean, disc two's, not necessarily filler, but it's usually, you know, not what you want. I was looking at the Motley Crue best of. I think it was like Red, White and Crew. That's not two discs, is it? Or did they do a two, two disc It's, it's two discs. I'll just read you through it. Sorry That's to go on about the crew. And I like Motley uh, Crue a lot. But... And uh, I, think they, I think they did a single disc and a two disc version of... They did. Yeah, yeah. That, was, that was very smart. Um, <laughs> the, 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 first, the first disc... Oh my God. Man. So the first disc goes from... Live wire, like first single, all the way up to Doctor Feelgood. Mm. Every eighties hit. That second disc is <laughs> Oh my goodness. Oh, For anyone a... wondering what we might think of a second disc, we did an episode on Generation Swine. I would encourage you to go back and listen to it. It's one of my, it's one of my oh. favorite episodes we've ever done. Also, if you um, look at the single disc underneath that on the Wikipedia, that's just what more do you need? But yeah, um, that second disc is not great, but I feel like Van Halen, they didn't really lose their way by the time they, uh, you know, with Sammy Hagar era, they just kind of built off the success of like 1984. They kept on with like 
the synth and like the more kind of commercial sound and like they never stopped being like a huge arena band and selling millions of records i think they had much more success than david lee roth's solo career an unpublished <laughs> unfilmed screenplay uh, had. <laughs> but um, i think i think that, that honestly that that period so when i was listening to those tracks as a kid it i didn't even put together that there were two different singers for like the longest time mm. um i just thought wow these are all really really cool songs yeah. um you don't really think about it much do you when you no. early on i mean you don't really think that could be a thing that could happen you just assume the band is a band yeah and you just enjoy the music that you're listening to because there's some cool shit there i think i had a similar situation listening to maiden and listening to their best of and getting to man on the edge and going wait this sounds a bit <laughs> weird <laughs> yeah even, even bands that have had success after replacing singers you know like van halen got back with david lee roth eventually yeah. Uh, and Sabbath got back with Ozzy eventually, uh, and then with Dio eventually, and things like that. Uh, Amphrax, you know. Um, but uh, it, it, lightning doesn't always strike three times. <laughs> uh, Lewis, I'm going to ask you this. Have you ever listened to Van Halen 3? <laughs> I, I, dude, I must have. Is that the one with the singer of Extreme? Yeah. Who, who you cannot deny is he's incredible. He, well, yeah, in my head he's. A, I haven't listened to any his Van Halen stuff, but in my head he'd be a good fit. Yeah, yeah. he's he's really good. And um, so, for anyone listening, uh, after Sammy Hagar, um, who was excellent, a lot of early Van Halen fans hated him. Um, I, I, I'm sure maybe there's something with that generation and change not going down too well. I don't know. Um, <laughs> we're not we're not seeing any fallout of that now or anything. No, not at um, all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then they had a third singer. I don't know why Sammy Hagar left. Actually, I have no idea. Yeah, I'm not too sure either. Um, but but they had um, they got Gary Sharon from Extreme, and Extreme is probably the next band in my guitar playing journey that had the impact on me that Eddie Van Halen did. Because uh, Nuno Betancourt is just um, unbelievable. Just one of the absolute finest guitar players on the earth. And huge Eddie Van Halen fan. Actually, there's um, there's uh, Nuno put up this story about Eddie that I thought was just like the sweetest thing. So Nuno Betancourt is now um, the musical director for Rihanna, He's had an absolutely huge career, really, really well-regarded musician, um, did amazingly with Extreme. Uh, he... Yeah, that ripping guitar bit on um, California King Red, doesn't he, by Rihanna? Yeah. Which is just, that really stands out, that bit, to the point where she looked it up and then found out it was him. It's so good. Yeah. I remember hearing that song, It Worked, back in the day, and just hearing the line, like, Calif- my California, or Californian King, I was like, oh, she's singing about a dude. I never heard her sing bed. Yeah. So, it was, <laughs> so I was like, God, she's really belt like whoever this guy is is a lucky dude, because like Rihanna's like belting some notes out about this guy. <laughs> but but Nuno, um Nuno put uh, I just want to read it if it's cool with you guys. Oh, of course. Um he said uh, once upon a time in Hollywood, recently, while recording the latest Extreme album in my home studio, I got a call to come down to the front of my house uh, that someone's asking for me. Also, just to chip in here, hi, this is Lewis chipping in. This isn't Nuno. Uh, Extreme new album. They've been talking about this for at least a decade now, so that's still very exciting for me. Anyway, I'm, I'm wait, Nuno I mean, is it, is it still going to happen? 
Yeah. Okay. Uh, so I'm, I'm Nuno again now. Hello, Nuno. Hi. I was like, damn, that's annoying. As I was in the zone cutting a guitar solo uh, to a new song called Rise, which is in capitals for some reason, uh, <laughs> I dropped my guitar and headed down. I walk out and I was being summoned by the one and only Edward. As usual, I got a warm hug and a kiss from Eddie. Even as a god, he always made you feel so important. Uh, he was in great spirits, a proud dad, bragging, uh, bragging about how Wolfie's new solo album is going to blow minds, etc. <laughs> What's cool, though, was the last thing Eddie talked about. He said that he was super excited about reaching out to Michael Anthony to finally put the original Van Halen lineup back together, saying that he wanted to do one final tour and have Van Halen go out the way they came in, together, guns blazing. Finally, as Eddie said his goodbye, he asked about the new Extreme album that we were recording up in the house. As we hugged, he says, I'll be back to listen to it when you're done. And with a sinister raspy laugh adds, it better be good. <laughs> Finished it. Then, pandemic. Man, I was like a kid, counting the COVID days down to when I could blare the new Extreme album in the studio, sitting side by side with my hero, the GOAT, selfishly wanting to play him all the new guitar work that shamelessly, but with uh, pride, has his DNA all over my playing. I guess that moment wasn't meant to be. It's incredible how, as a younger player, your guitar chord is the umbilical chord that intimately connects you to someone you may never meet, more so uh, than even someone in your own family. At the drop of a needle or the touch of a space bar, they're there for you 24-7, as Eddie was and forever will be. Thank you for shaping who I am today. Love you, Edward. You're the one. Oh, That's amazing. That's, that's lush, isn't it? That's fantastic. It, like, I could just imagine this, like, just imagine his excitement. He's a super, super accomplished guitarist. And just the idea of him being like, oh my God, Eddie Van Halen wants to listen to my album. Is yeah, like... I bet that never goes away, does it? it yeah, amazing. Even after all these years, you still get excited by that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, not to become like cynical or, yeah, it's, it's awesome. Uh, just, okay, just, I just had a quick look. So the breakdown of relationship in the 90s between the Van Halen and Sammy Hagar was during the recording of songs for the soundtrack to the film Twister. <laughs> Twister. Yeah, apparently Van Halen were doing songs for the soundtrack of the film Twister. The Bill Paxton, Helen Hunt, Hunt. Philip Seymour Hoffman. Too many, too many good people involved in that movie have passed away. Mm. Um, classic. Helen Hunt's still with us. To Twister. Be fair. Pardon? I said Helen Hunt is still with us. Uh, yeah, still with we us. We listed yeah. as people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Bill Paxton. Uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, Eddie mm. Van Halen, apparently it was involved in the soundtrack for this. Yeah, gone. Um, yeah, and so I guess they got uh, Gary in from Extreme because again we talked recently on a very recent on an episode about how Nuno from Extreme had the opportunity to play for Ozzy, but turned yeah. it down to stay with Extreme. Who then broke up? Yeah, so I guess Gary then went to Van Halen. I find it the idea of Van Halen even releasing music in the late '90s just seems incredibly alien to me. Yeah, it feels like they should have been concept. frozen in time, then unfrozen in like yeah, the mid 2000s, like after new metal. <laughs> did, <laughs> yeah. did, you, again. did you see what the name of the song was that they recorded for uh, Twister? <laughs> I uh, did. No, it's <laughs> awful. It's also I think it, apparently it's their last the last recording featuring Sammy Hagar before he left in '96. It's called. <laughs> Humans being. <laughs> I hate uh, it. Uh, I've never Nelms. heard it, but I hate it. Nelms, I thought you were on about the uh, the Eddie Van Halen, Alex Van Halen closing of the 
music from the motion picture oh, Twister. Was about, yep, I was about to get to that. Would you, <laughs> would you like to tell the audience what it's called, Lewis? Sure thing. It's called Respect the Wind. <laughs> Words to live by. Can you imagine Bill Paxton saying that? Respect <laughs> the wind. Yeah. The thing is, by the end of that film, I think that's very hard to argue. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I don't, there's nobody coming out of that film who wouldn't at least have a healthy respect for wind at that point. Oh I'm sorry. It's sort of like, I'm now thinking of that video of that guy doing the Tony Soprano impression when he's on the beach. Oh, it's the funniest thing. <laughs> Uh, what did he say, alpaca, cig- llama? Yeah, yeah. Smoking a cigar, he goes, respect the wind. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, man. Um, respect the wind. Also, hang on, hang on. Sorry, but music from the motion picture Twister, The Dark Side of Nature. <laughs> I also don't remember Twister being... Uh, yeah, I don't remember there being a subclause of Twister. Anyway, uh, fuck me, this is one hell of a lineup. Yep, I was just looking for it. This is insane. <laughs> this is mental. <laughs> like, you've got Shania Twain, the Goo Goo Dolls, Van Halen, uh, the Chili Peppers, Soul Katie Simon, Lang, Katie Lang, Stevie Nicks. Like, <laughs> like this is a Alison Krauss, Stevie Nicks, and uh, Lindsay Buckingham with a song called "Twisted." Holy shit! <laughs> Red Hot Chili Peppers, uh, yeah. Mark Knopfler, Tori Amos. Also, this is a very weirdly written Wikipedia article because underneath the listing of the soundtrack, it then goes, there is also some other music, such as Deep Purple's Child in Time. <laughs> <laughs> Which I assume it means in the film itself. There's, um... Also, yeah, while we're on this, awesome. just while I remember to mention it, did you guys know Motley Crue had two box sets out called Music to Crash a Car By? We've definitely talked about this in the podcast. See, the I thought we yeah. must have done, but I don't remember. That's horrendous. I don't, I don't know if we have this. I don't we, think we, we have. We we've done so many episodes on Motley Crue. But, uh, <laughs> this is still a shock to me. Maybe I've locked out my this, memory. The problem yeah. is, I'm going to say it's like, I don't think we've ever done a actual Motley Crue episode sober. No. I think we've drank every time we've done a Motley Crue episode. <laughs> I, I, I don't think this I could do a Motley Crue one sober. This don't remember it. No, but, dude, I don't remember that. Unless I'm doing a Vince Neil and like... In the same way that he completely blocked out a murder he did. Uh, Not as good I, as murder she wrote, but they, they had to do something, didn't they? <laughs> Got to try all the new TV shows you can. You know how, like, in uh, Columbo... Murder like, he did. Uh, yeah, yeah. Murder he did. Well, that's what Columbo basically is. Columbo's yeah. a how'd he solve it, not a who done it. Yeah, exactly. Like, and so it's an episode of Columbo, except, like, Columbo knows he did it. The audience know he did it. Vince Neil doesn't know he did it. And it's how do you convince him that he's done it? <laughs> oh, murder oh. he did. <laughs> well, I, what, an, what a lovely time. Anyway, yeah. back onto that. Um, so, <laughs> Gary Sharon has <laughs> stepped up uh, and did Van Halen 3. And Jim, you asked if I've ever listened to it. I and did, yeah. I, I must have. I must have, but I don't remember it. Yeah, I'd be really curious to know what you think of it. You can tell it's one of those, like, you know how, like, if you look at, like, the like the length of, like, albums from, like, you know, the late 70s and like, 80s where records were, like, half an hour. It's like, half an hour, just great music. Then CDs come along and was like, well, you can fit 79 minutes of music <laughs> on the record, so we're going to do it. And, like... This this Van Halen free album is like sixty five minutes, 
Um, yeah, so I'd be interested to know what you think about it. That could be like your homework. Just actually check it out and tell what you think of it. Also, did you listen to A Different Kind of Truth, the David Learoff reunion album as well? I had no one... idea about this until very recently. Is that the one with Tattoo on it? Uh, yeah, it, yeah it, yes. it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. I had no idea they recorded with him again. It completely... Uh, there's a track on there Ask called Chinatown, Town, which I'm hoping is just David Learoff... Uh, Discussing the plot points of the movie Chinatown. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, his his part. All you can hear is like a <laughs> as he's spinning a sword around for the entire thing. <laughs> also, the last track on Different Kind of Truth is called "Beats Working," and I got to ask you: Is it about beats working? As in, hey, it beats working. Is it about beetroot working? As in, my pee is turned red. Going for a um talking about like his new headphones and trying to get an endorsement deal. Uh I'm I'm curious about that second point there, Jim. The beats are working. Like finally I've managed to <laughs> I've managed to get my piss paper. Come team. look at it. Yeah. <laughs> I've done quick, it. Quick, yeah. It's happening. The beats Guys, the beats are working. There we go. Now I just need to take a photo of it and send it into work and tell them that I can't go into work today. <laughs> um I just one one last thing on uh music for the motion picture Twister, the dark side of nature. Oh, there's a lot going on, isn't there? I've been looking um, at it as well. <laughs> what, this do- sorry, this dark side of nature bit, like that wasn't the subtitle of the movie Twister. No, but the album. They've, but they've given the album itself. Oh, like which album? A, though? It's like four different soundtrack albums. Well, the, Twist, uh, Twister the, was a huge. I think it's easy to forget because it's just played on ITV every Saturday for uh, twenty-four years. But like, Twister was like a huge, huge box office hit. It was oh, like and it was it was dope movie. as hell. So good, yeah. Um, but uh, I would just like to. Point out Michael that, uh, and a Red Hot Chili Peppers track on that is called Melancholy Mechanics. Fuck you, Red Hot Chili Peppers. <laughs> all, I, all I'm going to say is this was during, this had to be during the Dave Navarro, yeah, 96, this is the Dave Navarro era. Uh, oh, there we go. That's all uh, yeah. really, doesn't it? Ugh. <laughs> so you can, you can, if you're listening along at home, you can burn your copy of music from the motion picture Twister, The Dark Side of Nature. <laughs> Rolls off the tongue that home. Also, while we're on sort of Wikipedia, you know, you know at the bottom Everyone, of Wikipedia, everyone's hit random page. Yeah, but you know at the bottom of Wikipedia where it has related articles, etc., or categories. Yeah. So for Van Halen, obviously it's got stuff like 1955 births, 2020 deaths, 20th century American guitarists. There's one that's just deaths from cancer in California. Ooh. Oh, that's Christ. some cheery reading. Oh. Dutch people of Javanese deceit, uh, descent, sorry. Deceit. American people of Javanese descent. American people of Dutch Indonesian descent. These are all very, very specific <laughs> categories. <laughs> um, but you really to... need to understand those gnomes to understand Van Halen. If you're, yeah. true. you're a poser if you haven't read those articles. No, it's a good also, point. I'm going uh... to look up everyone who's died of cancer in California just to really... <laughs> also, for my uh, random article, I got a uh, Wikipedia page about Lancaster Priory. Oh, did you actually uh, click random article? Yeah. You're a madman. Formerly, uh, formerly the Priory Church of St. Mary is the Church of England Parish Church of the City of Lancaster, Lancashire, England. It is located near Lancaster Castle and since 1953 has been designated a Grade 1 listed building. Let's see what I get, shall we? 
This is this is this, this is awful. Podcasting. This is this is the this is not a segment. No. <laughs> well, have you clicked random article yet? Because maybe it could be. You don't know, do you? This isn't. No, this I cannot imagine that this is a joy to listen to for anyone. Yeah, but I've been saying that for like since we started recording. <laughs> B. Watch out. What did you get then? I got First You Cry, which is a 1978 American made-for-TV biographical drama starring Mary Tyler Moore, Anthony Perkins, Jennifer Warren, Richard Dysart, and Don Johnson. Oh, nice. It's about a news correspondent who had breast cancer. Oh, well, did, did they survive? And if not, what state did they die in? Uh, oh, no, we need to find out. <laughs> Hang on. Um, looks like they lived, so that's good. But there is a Wikipedia section about films about cancer, if you're interested in that. So, oh boy. Uh, Lewis, what have you got? Come on. Uh, you're still getting I, cut out anyway. This is absolutely getting no, cut not. out. Nothing we've ever said that gets cut out has ever yeah. been cut out. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, okay, what have, I have uh, Axiom Schema of Predictive Separation. What are you on about, you nerd? In axiomatic set theory, the axiom schema of predictive separation or of restricted, or there's a symbol there that I've never seen in my life. But it's it's a triangle like with the paperclip titles. <laughs> this is this is trash. I'm cutting all of this out. This is horrible. Okay. So uh, before <laughs> you're a fool, we'll, we'll start. We'll think we've, how long will we go for? We'll start to uh, wrap things up now because I think Eddie deserves better than this. Um, I would like to ask you something. Oh. Okay, because I was going to ask you something as well, Lewis, interestingly. Oh, okay. Jim, Jim, you go first, because I'm, I'm actually going to just double-check my sources on what I'm about to say. <laughs> oh, God. Was it a link on Facebook you got? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> you should all do your own independent research. Um, I was going to ask you, Lewis, have you listened to the new ACDC song? And how do you feel about the fact that ACDC have got as much of their classic lineup? back together as they possibly can and are putting um, out a new album i have i've not heard it um i guess what it sounds like <laughs> i'm gonna go out on a limb and say that i don't need to <laughs> yeah. um yeah i i was also pretty confused because i i don't know a lot's happened with them over the last few years that them announcing that they've gone back to their a classic lineup mm. I was just kind of the under, under the impression that that was the band. Yeah, <laughs> I, I sent you the image. It's like ACDC are back. And I was like, who the fuck has been playing as ACDC in this last like five or ten years? Like, yeah. what the fuck? I was away when you were talking about this. Because uh, I got the text message about it. But so did we ever get to the bottom of that? What have they been up to? So I know Brian Johnson left, didn't he? Brian, Brian Johnson had to retire uh, prematurely because of uh, hearing damage, which apparently didn't come from the music, but came from race car driving. All right. Um, uh, wait, he's hold back. A second. He's he's come back because I don't believe yeah, him. It's it's worth looking into because he talked about his um, like what he did this experimental treatment he did to get his hearing back. Because Phil Collins also retired because of hearing issues and then came back as well. Yeah, I'm wondering if that's like the the industry sort of term for, you know, creative like like in films where they fall apart because of creative differences, whether there's like 
He had oh, to leave because of hearing issues. Yeah, yeah so he's not liking the material he's hearing right now. <laughs> yeah. He's not listening to anyone else in the band. <laughs> yeah. um, Cliff Williams actually did retire. I think after after Malcolm Young died, he decided to call after the toy decided, and then Brian Johnson had to leave. I think he decided to call it a day. Sure, it's like yeah, we had a good run. Uh, and then Phil Rudd, the you know, classic drummer. He got into some... Right, in, in November, he did a on the 6th of November 2014, Rudd was arrested and charged with attempting to procure uh, a murder, threatened to kill, possess, possession of uh, methamphetamine, and possession of cannabis following a police raid on his home. Uh, basically, I think he tried to murder someone. But he's back yeah. in the band. Yeah. But okay. the charges were dropped, uh, even though he pled guilty. Uh, <laughs> Hang on. <laughs> in two, on 2018, he pleaded guilty to the main charges, Sorry. with the exception of one of the two friends to kill charges, which is... Okay, the, char- the charges for... Yeah, for... Um, they liked his honesty, so to kill were dropped, yeah. So the, it was basically, he was arrested for, like, possession of drugs, which, again, he's a now, rock star, so that's I'm, whatever. I'm no... I'm no lawyer. <laughs> okay, wait, but... hold on a second. Angus Young says, and I quote, he's got to sort himself out, I think. <laughs> he thinks, not sure. <laughs> At this point, it's kind of a question mark. Um... But if we're touring, there'll be a new drummer in place. Put it that way. Oh, wow. Man. Uh, well, let's not even begin to unpack that one. Either no. way, yeah. We again, I think we we we're probably going to do an ACDC episode at some point. I think so. But especially yeah, again. But anyway, yeah. So uh, ACDC are back. They've got a new album out, uh, put together. They have Stevie Young playing instead yes. of Malcolm. He is Malcolm's nephew, I believe, and he's one of those like it's like a um, Eddie Guerrero Chavo Guerrero situation where they look about the same age, even though one's <laughs> the uncle. I thought was uh, he not one of the was he not one of the brothers? Because uh, there's there's sure. a shit ton of Youngs. No, no, he, it's his, he's a nephew. He's he okay. is Malcolm Young's nephew, uh, but he is not Angus Young's son. This is this, yeah. <laughs> okay, good to know. <laughs> this actually is like one of those like pro wrestling dynasties like the Samoan dynasties it's like a really complicated family tree all you need to know is that everyone here is related to Rikishi <laughs> um, okay because if you look okay right and then yeah so and Cliff Williams is back so there you go that's that is ACDC they're back they've got a new album coming out um, you said that year. like five times yeah it's I've heard one song it sounds like ACDC <laughs> weird uh, stuff has happened in the last five years it's like got the word Axel, power in it hasn't it as well like Axl Rose is a, on Wikipedia is listed as a former member of ACDC <laughs> which I think like even though like he was there filling in doing vocals on the tour to think of him as like yeah Ex ACDC frontman Axel Rose. There's a blab, there's a blab, I'd love to see that as a blabbermouth. Uh, uh, Ex ACDC frontman, current Guns N' Roses singer yeah. Axel Rose. Velvet, Ex Velvet Revolver guitarist Slash <laughs> has teamed up with Ex ACDC singer Axel Rose to form a band. There's no way we're ever referring to Axel Rose as anything other than Ex ACDC yep, always, always going to be. Ex ACDC singer, like that guy who um, sung for Judas Priest before Rob Halford, but never recorded an album. 
who is like constantly goes on about how he was the old singer for Judas Priest, even though there's like no actual records put out with him singing on it. So anyway, ACDC yeah. have got your album. <laughs> oh, you, oh my God, stop it. You keep saying it, it's going to appear in the room behind you, <laughs> Candyman style. Uh, and it's, it's going to be rocking. I just want to know how you feel about that, Lewis. I don't care. <laughs> that was exhausting. <laughs> I just, I, yeah, I don't give a shit. <laughs> but it's not his son. I can't stress that enough. <laughs> um, yeah, I think with ACDC, um, like, I, I just want, I want them to, like, to go out gracefully. So Ooh. hopefully, if this one is like the swan song, then that would be great. Do a big tour with a classic lineup because it kind of got to the point where it felt like Angus Young was kind of flogging a dead horse a bit when it was just hit, like Angus and friends, mm, and it yeah. was really weird. Uh, I kind of think that they should have stopped after Malcolm died. Personally, yeah, I'm surprised they didn't. Well, this uh, new album by ACDC has got <laughs> songwriting off. contributions from Malcolm. Uh, Malcolm just wrote and wrote and wrote, and they've got like riffs for days. I mean, arguably. Like they've been dining out on the same wrist for a long time now, but that's like you know that's okay. It's like that's why we love them, right? Because they're ACDC, because mm-hmm. they're consistent. Uh, but this new ACDC album will have songwriting contributions on the new ACDC album from Malcolm Young. <laughs> on, on the new ACDC album, Lewis, what's, what it was your question? what's it called? No, I need to know what it's called. It's called it's called, it's called like Power Surge or something, isn't it? It's called oh. Power Up. Power Spelled P W R U P. It's called. Pur up the dark side of nature. <laughs> <laughs> it's called power up. Uh, sometimes Respect the wind. <laughs> this is so funny. Like on the look of this, there's a reason pa- Twain's on it. Power up brackets sometimes shortened as P W R slash. Sometimes like they announced this a week ago. Like <laughs> uh, stylized as pur lightning up. Also, another thing we're talking about ACDC is like for an Australian band, like I don't think a single member of that. Lineup is actually native of Australia anymore. Like all the youngs are from Scotland. <laughs> Brian Johnson's from what Newcastle. Clifford Williams is from like Essex. <laughs> These are just ACDC observations. <laughs> this, is the, this is the worst. <laughs> Sorry, we were well, reading though. random Wikipedia articles earlier. Yeah, get us back on track. <laughs> okay, all right. Okay, so what, yeah, what was the thing you had to source check? Sorry, I was that's just killing time for you to check your sources, but you wouldn't chime in with your questions. Oh, thanks, dude. Thanks. Um, so, uh, Eddie Van Halen, the guitar, the Frankenstrat, mm-hmm. uh, the classic. I think on the first album, I think it was white and black, and then they added the red. So it's the classic, the red, white and black striped guitar, mm. right? Synonymous with the man himself. How much do you think that guitar cost him? One of I the think most Brian May's iconic. Brian May's dad made it for him. Brian May's dad, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, he did. Eddie Van Halen did build it, didn't he? Or he put it together? He, yeah, he he put it together from some parts from other guitars. Fifty dollars. Okay. I'm gonna guess. How much? Fifty dollars. Okay, Jim. Uh, I'm gonna say it cost him about. $25 to put together. Okay, now I'm your closer. So uh, the the body was $50. Uh, 
Uh, he got it. He got it discounted because there was a knot in the wood, and the neck was eighty. Eighty dollars. Crazy. And that is the single most iconic guitar on the planet. That's insane. That's mental, have, isn't it? He must have made that money back and a bit more from it. <laughs> he recouped. He recouped. Yeah. And they Lewis, did back. Yeah. Do you know of any other guitar cost based things you might want to talk about? <laughs> like say in the say in the opposite direction. <laughs> like ones uh, that might be overpriced. <laughs> Ones that might be over, uh, as in to do with Eddie Van Halen. So I've, I've got what, a tidbit on that Van Halen, too. But say if somebody famous signed a guitar. <laughs> oh uh, my god! <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't, okay. be, it wouldn't be an episode of uh, Slow Rock about okay, mentioning we'll, uh, we'll King in New York. <laughs> we'll we'll yeah. close on that. We'll wrap this one up. Um, I just sure. want to mention real quickly uh, that Fender did a, a like super 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 custom replica of um the frankenstrap where mm. they had the original uh for like months and months took every detail from it and recreated it i think there was maybe like it was a super limited run um and they retail i think they were like twenty thousand a piece jesus um but to the point that they even tracked down period correct cigarettes to burn the headstock with that's insane that's uh, fucking wild. Yeah, isn't they it? made three hundred of them for twenty-five grand each. There you go. That is wow. It's it's insane. So yeah, let's let's um let's wrap this up. So Jim, you said kind of what what album would we recommend to anyone uh, thinking of checking this guy out? Checking why should yeah, people listen it's, to it's Eddie Van Halen? It's, it's kind of funny to uh, in like the age of Spotify and YouTube specifically recommends an album, but like what can I say? I'm a fan of the format. Um, I would absolutely recommend, if not Van Halen's Best of Both Worlds, if you want like a nice uh, b- best of, mm-hmm. I would say for me, yeah, definitely Van Halen won. Um, it's just, it's so good. Honestly, it's so much fun and it flies by as well. It's like, it's about half an hour long with it. And like, it's just, every track is just so catchy and so much fun. Yep. Um, the the energy on it's great. It's like the sound of like a, a barbecue and beers of your friends like it's absolutely incredible yeah so i would it's dog that wearing would sunglasses choice. it's a dog wearing sunglasses yeah <laughs> now mo uh i would say the same i'd say first album and then check out just to get a bit more scope of it check out um 1984 after that yeah um yeah I, I i'd say the same it's it's the one it's this album is so unbelievably important like yeah. for every reason that we've just been speaking about over the last hour, this is the album that changed the world. It changed yeah. guitar playing. It changed music. It's everything. Um, oh, and then track, once you've listened two. to it, look up David Lee Roth's isolated vocals um, <laughs> <laughs> for uh, uh, Running With The Devil after it. It's a Do treat. yourself a favour. I would um, say that once you've done that, I would say check out the track listing for Power Up, the new ACDC album. Um, Fuck off. Track four, Through the Mists of Time. What? That's one of the songs on it. Oh, it sounds like an Iron Maiden song. Yeah. You've got another kidding? one called um, Witch's Spell. Yeah. Sounds well, it won't be a witch, will it? It'll be some s- seductive woman. Yes. <laughs> That's how ACDC offer it. <laughs> <laughs> some temptress. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, 
yeah, so I mean, it's it's it fucking sucks that we have to record this episode. Yep. Um, not just because of all the shit that Jim's been talking about. <laughs> Hasn't helped. I've just but, been delivering hard rock news, which was relevant to the subject <laughs> of the podcast. But yeah, but yeah. It's, it's a bummer. You, know, you, you, you don't want to have to do this episode as soon as we've had to do it, you know? No, no. 65 mm. is no age to go. That's rubbish. Mm. But I mean, what what a legacy, right? Incredible. And we're blessed in now in, in this era. We've got all of this music. We've got all of this live footage, everything at our fingertips. So like Nuno said, you can have this amazing bond with someone so incredible and so talented that you likely never meet. And now you're not going to. Uh, but they're only ever a click away. Yeah. And I, th- I, th- I think that's really, really nice. So, yeah, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm gutted. I think it took me about, it took me a week for it to really kind of like settle in mm. and just be like, oh man, like, yeah, he's he's just not here anymore. Um, but he's he's always going to be there. Yeah, and that mu- the music will be around forever. Yeah, yeah, that's it. So, yeah, um, bless that man, bless that man, and I just thank you, for like everything. You know, yeah. I I wouldn't be I wouldn't be here. I probably wouldn't have met you guys. Uh, I wouldn't be living the life that I have if he hadn't have influenced me to play guitar and... It's so crazy to think about stuff like that, isn't it? Just you know? the, the far-reaching mm. effect someone can have. Yeah, yeah, that's it. So, yeah, I owe the man a lot. Uh, mm. And it's just been a pleasure to talk about him. Um, in like a... Yeah, th- thank you for sharing that, though. It's like, I appreciate that. That's like, I think, um, like, your passion um, and, like, your sincerity, like, really shines through, you know, and I hope that, that comes across on the cast because like we are just like huge huge fans and yeah. it sucks to uh to kind of be doing this kind of thing yeah. um i will just say on a slightly lighter note in just for weird serendipity like next week is the 20th anniversary of both lincoln parks hybrid theory and limp biscuits chocolate starfish and the hot dog flavored water oh, good. Which came now, out now i feel just old after as my well. 13th birthday and weird <laughs> enough i probably wouldn't be here either if it wasn't oh for God. those <laughs> Uh, do you know what? I suddenly I feel like when Walter Donovan drinks out the wrong cup at the end of Last Crusade. <laughs> just hearing that has immediately just aged me. Oh, twenty years. Um, so let's let's wrap this up uh, with some other news of, of uh, an upcoming album. That's right. It's solely rock favorite Bon Jovi. Uh, have they, what's their new album called? I can't even fucking remember. Pasta Sauce Magnate, Bon Jovi. <laughs> it's 2020. The album's called 2020. But it wasn't for a while, but now it is again. Yeah. Oh, have they gone back to it? Yeah, it's 2020 now. Yeah, he's oh, gone back yeah. to it. Oh, it's, uh, do you know what? It came out. It came out on October 5th. What? Um, <laughs> yeah. Fuck me. Okay, so... <laughs> I don't have the energy to listen to a new Bon Jovi album. <laughs> Limitless was terrible. It was really bad. Limitless. So Bon Jovi's released a new album, and to try and do, I mean, he's really cursed it with that name. I can't believe it's called Twenty (laughs) Twenty. In order to try and drum up a little bit of interest, uh, they held a competition uh, where you could you could win a a signed a signed guitar. Uh, if you purchase the album. Now, this guitar was advertised, as they said, valued at $5,000. Mm-hmm. 
Um, it was only signed by Bon Jovi, as in JBJ, the man himself. Um, it's a the, the make is a Squire. Uh, so th- I think this guitar costs maybe like uh, around 150 pounds, which means that Bon Jovi has valued his own signature at just shy of five thousand uh, dollars, even dollars, five thousand dollars. Oh, we were saying he must be a nightmare at any conventions, or if you see, if, if you see him in the street, you have to write him a check. <laughs> Otherwise, he's just giving money away, isn't he? You've, you've got like um, Charlie Adlard, like drawing yeah. you as a zombie for like ten bucks to charity or whatever. <laughs> bon Jovi's just sat there adamant it's going to be five thousand or not at all. Sure, I'm looking at the charts and like this album is done all right, you know. Like apart from weird enough in America, where it barely scraped the top twenty. Of course, I mean, there's there's nothing coming out. Is this the same thing? This is like why um, like, <laughs> Trolls Two will uh, will probably win all the Oscars this year. <laughs> Bad Boys Three, by virtue of being the highest grossing movie of the year. Say, I think that's still the highest grossing, isn't it? Um, yeah, of twenty twenty. Which I, I have a feeling Doctor Doolittle might be in the top ten. You know, no, Even yeah, it, is. it was yeah, a bomb. Yeah, it was Number a bomb, seven. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Wow. So there you go. Five thousand dollars. <laughs> that is particularly wild. So, um, guys, thank you so so much for listening. Um, we would absolutely if you if you've got any any kind of impressions uh, that Eddie Van Halen or the music of Van Halen left on your life. Mm-hmm. Genuinely, it'd be really really nice to read. Um, mm, definitely. If, yeah, just let us know. Uh, and you can do that by contacting us directly uh, via email, where we are slowlyrock at gmail.com. We're on Twitter, where we are at slowlyrock. Facebook, we are at slowlyrock. Instagram, we are at slowlyrockpodcast. So do drop us a shout. Um, share some memories of Eddie Van Halen, Van Halen. If you were lucky enough to have seen them, I would love to hear all about that. Yeah, absolutely. My, my girlfriend's parents saw them at Monsters Rock on the 1984 tour, oh. and I will forever be jealous of that one. So let us know. It'd be really, really cool to hear. And thank you so much for listening. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thank you very much, guys. Jim, have you got any more any more fun facts about Power Up? Oh, give it strength. <laughs>